G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello, it is time for SEO success stories. Once again, I've got with me today, Lindsay Secreta from Yotpo. Anyone who's in the e-commerce world, e-commerce marketing, they'll know Yotpo. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, nice to be here. Good, good. So for those who haven't tuned in before, you've already heard that little spiel that comes on every episode, but uh, we have people from big brands, thought leaders, educators, and we just get to pick their brain and find out what it is that you know they find most important in their roles in SEO. We'll find out a bit about their history and the like. Lindsay comes from a writing and a content marketing background, so I'm really keen to dig into that into more detail. But as we do every episode, I'm going to ask that one big question. What do you think is the number one challenge facing SEOs in 2022? I think this may be a little bit of a cop-out, but I think one of the biggest challenges is actually one of the biggest opportunities as well, which is the fact that many people are wondering like how uh, you know a cookie-less world is going to impact them mm. in terms of especially acquisition. And yep. for that reason, I think like organic marketing has a real opportunity to really push for and get buy-in for like further investment in organic marketing. And not only that, to also get buy-in on, you know, what you do with that traffic when it comes to you to like really educate people on how to nurture it correctly and, and turn that into like a, a bigger lead conversion engine that can balance some of that impact. Great answer. You know what? That's the first time someone's mentioned cookie-less in this context. Ah, okay. <laughs> Like, I mean, lots of the, most of the talk around cookie lists that I, I was at a conference just recently and people are talking about building your email lists and first party mm -hmm. data and all that sort of stuff. But owned media on your own site, that's the type of thing which is going to you know, help people stick moving forward. Yeah. And, and to, you know, really think strategically about like what you can create to get in front of the people who are already looking for that information and like would be actually really relevant, uh, you know, customer for whatever it is you do. So really yep. focusing on that is a great way to get in front of that audience in, you know, an organic way. Excellent. Cool. Well, Lindsay, it's so great to have you here today. As I, as I mentioned, you've got that sort of content background, which I'm really keen to dig into because we've had, you know, we've had technical SEOs, we've had consultants, we've had strategists, mm -hmm. we've had a couple of, from a copy background. I mean, I've done a fair bit of copywriting and I was a copywriter in my kind of distant past. I still pick people up, pick people up on stuff that I was just talking to my project <laughs> manager earlier and she we're just drafting an email and I'm like, how much do you really think you need those last five words at the end of that sentence? Like, it's still to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd love to find out about, you know, your your journey. So we're going to talk a bit about Yotpo and what you do there. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that, is it a unicorn? I don't know what's described as that these days, but it's a pretty big, fast-growing company. Yeah. <laughs> we're a unicorn, but we like to refer to ourselves as flamingos because, you know, ah. a flamingo is a real animal. We feel like yep. we're, we're really providing value. So we are a unicorn though. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But let's talk about your journey first. So like I've, I say to lots of our guests, like not many people wake up and go, geez, mm -hmm. you know, finish school and go, geez, I'd, I'd love to be an SEO. I'd love to work in content marketing. What was your, how, how did you fall into this? Um, well, it's funny because I feel like there are more people starting their career that way now. Uh, I have a mm. lot of young writers who like immediately wanted to go into content marketing. But when I started, I was actually 
trying to be a magazine journalist at probably the worst time possible, like in 2008, 2009, and magazines were just not doing well. Um, and really there was a shift to content online. And a lot of, I would say publishers hadn't really figured that out yet, but there was a real opportunity for, as a writer for brands that could, like we're starting to see the value of creating content that would, you know, for various purposes, support their customers. And I started working for a website called dealnews.com, which is an affiliate marketing site, like a deal site. And they, the main thing they wanted me to do was really create content that drove new users to the site and made people aware of, of deal news. So a huge part of what I did was come up with ideas that met the needs of our like uh, educational needs uh, of the people who would be shopping with deal news, um, as well as like created storylines that were you know, really compelling for media outreach. And I actually feel like they go really well together uh, mm. because, you know, obviously the media outreach would get us backlinks to the site and would really help improve our authority. But then, and that helped our SEO in general. Um, but I, I did fall into the SEO part of it a bit. I kind of had to teach myself it through like trial and error. We had some like sometimes bizarre wins that took off and were like viral for us. And we had to learn from why and like what, how we could replicate that. But it was a really, as a storyteller, um, I really loved like figuring out why people were, why this was resonating, like why, what they were searching for, what brought them here and why we were successful and how we could do it again. So it really yep. tapped into that part of me. That's such a fascinating, like just, I know lots of people who, as I said, I was a copywriter for years and I knew lots of uh, journalists who as, you know, as the print space was was becoming less and less and as the freelance work was getting more and more scarce, there was a kind of two camps. There was the ones who went, okay, well, I guess I have to move into marketing or move into ten tender mm -hmm. writing or some kind of commercial element. And then there was the ones who, I guess they'd probably call themselves purists who just didn't want to like sell out to the marketing side of things. Did you see that in your career, like people kind of making a choice? I did. I, I think early on there were people who really scoffed at content marketing and felt like it was disingenuous. It was just a way to sell to people. And I think what I liked about it really early on, and I feel like a lot of people came around is mm. it doesn't have to be that it doesn't have to be like overly salesy, like you can really provide great quality content. And that's when you're the most successful, especially if when it comes to SEO is like when you're really thinking about not yourself, but what actually matters to people that you want to bring to your site and would make them like have a, a brand affinity to an uh, affinity with your brand. So I think when you, a lot of people that I worked with were slow to come around to it, but when you start to see like what brands do these days. It's like, it's such a great opportunity. They're brand newsrooms where they don't even mention the, what they're selling in the content at all. You know, it's really about um, producing just really great content that matters to to their readers. And even just yep. using the word reader, I feel like is is a different uh, way of thinking about it too. It is. And I guess that's where coming from a journalism background really helps. And I feel like the ones who did make that choice, because I remember back in the day, I had two of my favorite writers. One of them, he was my editor, but he was an, a brilliant writer. He saw the writing on the wall and went, okay, well, I'm going to go work for Amex as a tender mm -hmm. writer. And we were all like, whoa, okay. And the other guy, um, I won't mention his name, but mm -hmm. um, he was yeah, very much the other direction and, and sort of just went, no, I'm just going to freelance. I'm just going to find ways to write about stuff and not sell out, et cetera, et cetera. But the ones that did take that step into marketing, like they, I'm trying to think of any of them that haven't done really, really well. Mm -hmm. It's that depth of understanding. Like they've been writing 
journalistic copy and, and sort of investigative type pieces for a decade prior to that, they didn't bring that to a reader-focused type of content to content marketing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be an advantage, you'd think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think early on too, we even saw that where, um, you know, Deal News was a, a pretty small brand and, you know, yeah. we were getting a ton of coverage, a lot of traffic to our site. Uh, we had an SEO strategist on, on staff and he would, yeah. you know, go to events and they were like so impressed by the quality of the content that we had because mm. we had actual writers on staff, um, which is very common now, but still, um, you know, having that focus allows you to, you know, get out of the word salad kind of game of just throwing keywords in or creating things that are irrelevant, like really thinking about the storyline and, and, you know, the value that you're conveying. In a lot of ways, you were probably 10 years ahead of a lot of SEOs who were still writing for the bots and the content was second. You were like, no, there's people like the whole machine is just trying to give the people what they want. So how about we just circumvent that and give the people what they want? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's always the adage of like, just create good content and that will like, and a lot of people don't always know what that means. And so I don't even always know what that means, but you know, it, it does definitely has paid off for me throughout my time. Like a lot of algorithm changes that maybe really destroy other sites haven't necessarily hurt us as much with the content that I'm creating because we're really focused on how it helps searchers. This is a question without notice, but just on that, because people do say that, you know, great content, people will find it. Just write good content, write for the user, write for the reader. But there's an advantage to writing for the reader on a a well-resourced site, on a site Mm -hmm. with high domain authority. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that gets lost in the mix. You get these startups and these brand new businesses are little e-com business somewhere, just write good content. But if you don't have the resources behind it to put the proper technical SEO foundations or whatever you need to amplify it, like it's not always that simple. What do you it's think? It's definitely not that simple. And, and it's a yeah. lot of work up front too, um, as well as not just good content because, you know, people uh, can engage with your content in a variety of different ways, like really thinking mm-hmm. about how, why they would be engaging with it in the first place, whether you're driving people to it or if you're really like trying to uh, meet them as they're looking for it. And it's a small difference, but I've seen a lot of businesses create great content and then be surprised why people aren't landing there. And it usually Mm. ends up being the people aren't actually searching for this. They may find it very interesting, but they're not either using this language that you're using or uh, maybe it's not the first thing they should see. They, you should be creating a guide about, you know, we were talking about actually review recency because uh, yeah. Yahoo does reviews. And one of the most important things about reviews is actually that they're recent. Like people don't want to see reviews from like 10 years ago, though they don't trust yeah. those. So, uh, but people don't search for review recency. <laughs> that, that's not yeah. like a term that they use, but they do search for things around like what, what is a high quality review or what makes a good review? And, and one of the answers to that question is like recent reviews. So it's kind of like the content was always good to begin with. It was just, it wasn't really framed in the way that meets the customer or meets the searcher, whoever, whoever you're speaking to. So it's also that too. It's, it's a lot of work up front and it's a lot, it has to be really strategically done. Good content yep. isn't always going to be found. So after that, working for that news site, like what was the sort of progression from there? Was there a point in your career where you went, holy cow, I'm working more with the SEO team. Or I know more about this stuff than I realized yeah. than I ever planned on. No. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, it definitely became, I think, one of the 
most marketable skills I had. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely totally. always in interviews, it was always like a, a good selling point. So it was definitely something that I wanted to lean into more. And I, I really liked it. It's very invigorating to yeah. find success um, and yeah. to make peaks and, and, you know, suddenly you're on page one. So I went from Deal News, which I, I really loved, but I uh, wanted to, you know, expand and, you know, challenge myself. And so I, I went to a company called Conductor and organic marketing platform and worked on their managed services team where I was creating mm-hmm. SEO content strategies for other brands. Um, but I was mostly doing that for WeWork, one of, which at the time ah. WeWork actually owned Conductor. So okay. um, really leaned into content SEO. <laughs> what, what, year, what, what year was that? I believe that was 2019. Okay, cool. So WeWork... So there's still, I mean, that's only three years ago, but like, I'm imagining there was still a lot of, I mean, it still feels like a really evolving space, like a lot of educational pieces, a lot of how, mm-hmm. how is this practical for not just, you know, for different size businesses and that sort of stuff. Did you? Yeah. It was a very interesting challenge because they yeah. have offices around the world. You need to create local content. All of the the search terms are very different from location to location, not only just because they're in a different language, but even when they are in English, the hot desking doesn't translate to other other countries. But um, the scope was pretty interesting and, and learned a lot from that, as well as, you know, I'd be fascinated even now. I feel like there's a lot of education to be doing with, with the way people are working differently. Like it's, it's yep. such an interesting opportunity that they have now, but not there. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. So you're at Yotpo now, you're director of content marketing there. For those, like I mentioned in my sort of my little brief summary at the start, people in e-commerce will probably know it, but for those that don't, what, tell us about Yotpo. Yeah, Yotpo is an e-commerce marketing platform um, mm-hmm. for DGC brands to like really strengthen their relationships with customers. And we do that yeah. through reviews, SMS marketing, and loyalty and referrals. Most people know us for reviews. Historically, that's how we started, but we've been really growing the platform to be like your retention toolkit, like everything you need to really create strong relationships with customers that like help you, you know, get past like the acquisition churn and burn, like really Mm. grow your relationships and get the most value out of them. So tell me, what's your team look like at Yotpo? We actually have a huge content team. Um, It's one of, I think, the most exciting things about being in content marketing at Yapo is because yeah. they really invest and in, they value content and understand like the many different purposes it has, including SEO. Um, so we actually have writers for every product that we have, you know, they each have their own needs and different audiences. And that really does actually come into play with SEO as well. Like when I started, we did really well for reviews keywords, but not loyalty and SMS. And we really needed like some good investment and like building up our authority around those those groups of keywords. So we designed the team to really be able to attack that and and invest in it. And so does your team work like I've, when I was getting ready for this for this uh, conversation, I thought I'll just do a little little research. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google Yotpo News. Boom, eight thousand results mm. come up. Mm. Really recent ones too. Like I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's not like I'm having to pick out you know, topical stuff. You guys are really active. Is that, is that your content team? Is that your PR team? Are they working together? What's that kind of look like? Yeah, it's, it's both. We, we actually sit on the brand marketing team. So my boss is the one who does all of the, the PR. And I, I do think that's like a, such an important relationship that doesn't, I haven't always seen like a close connection between those teams and other companies, but so we're really like aligning with her on, you know, what are the storylines that matter will get media to cover us? 
thought leadership, points of view, uh, things like that, that align and sit above like all of those, like maybe lower funnel topics that matter to us that maybe we really are targeting for our SEO, but like can drive to it. So uh, we definitely want to make sure that there's alignment there so that those results are not only helping us for brand awareness, but like really hopefully have that trickle down effect of getting us links and sending people to the content that's maybe a little more um, transactional or SEO focused. And has that been by, because you're right, like I talk to brands all the time and if the PR is done or internally or externally, like it's quite often it's very disconnected. You've got different <laughs> parts of the marketing team that I literally had a brand in Melbourne, Australia, quite a big brand. I was working with their content team on something and there were some issues around some technical SEO stuff. And I said, I mentioned the name. Oh, so-and-so said this about these and why it's not working. They were like, who? <laughs> they didn't even know who they were. They were actually in a completely separate building on the mm-hmm. other side of the street. Uh-huh. So that kind of disconnection is real and it's happening a lot. The It sounds like you guys have got it down in terms of especially brand and, and PR and content marketing. Was mm-hmm. that by design or has that just happened organically, do you know, over time? Uh, it, it, I think it was organic. I think we realized that it, it actually really worked. It made sense. Yeah. It sort of happened. We stumbled into it, but it, it made sense because they were interacting the most. Like content and PR, we really serve each other's needs. So it just yep. worked out that way. But it's crazy how often it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So that's a pretty good situation mm. to be in. So tell me about from a you know, what you can share from an SEO perspective, the content marketing, like what was the situation like? How long have you been at Yapo? I've been at Yapo for almost two years, actually a little over two years. Okay, cool. What was the situation like there when you started? Was SEO like a big focus for them? Did they have the resources in place? I'm curious what that looked like on day one when you walked in and went, okay, this is what I'm working with. Uh, so when I started, they they were actually had some really healthy uh, traffic to the site already that was mm-hmm. actually in place from years ago. They had created some really great content that was driving traffic year over year, continuing to grow without much maintenance uh, mm-hmm. even. And they also were very successful for reviews keywords because they had, you know, the site had been in existence for ten years with a lot of mm-hmm. backlinks and like authority around that topic. But where they were not hitting the mark was um, creating newer content that was really starting with a keyword goal. It was more so like keywords being added onto other things that weren't maybe matching like what people were actually looking for, the intent that people had. Um, So newer pieces were just like not quite, they were struggling to rank. They were like sitting on page three, as well as like around our other products, like loyalty and SMS marketing keywords. Um, there wasn't much movement there. Those pages weren't really driving much traffic. So those were kind of the areas that immediately I was like, okay, this is where we need to put most of our focus is building out this part of, yep. of the company. And what were the resources like? Was it, you mentioned that you've got a, quite a big content marketing team and you've mm-hmm. got your, your um, you know, topic or subject matter experts across different areas, which is awesome. Has it always been internal or have you had consultants or agencies or what's been the structure there? Yeah, we've, we've, you know, we are a big team now. We weren't when I started. I, it was okay. actually me and two people. And so mm-hmm. we had a lot of buy-in to grow in this way to not only fill this gap, but like many that that existed across our content marketing. Uh, yep. But that, of course, took time. So like we're, we're starting to see that value now and like wins from in that investment. But in the interim, we did rely on some, you know, consultants, uh, especially tech SEO consultants that, you know, I'm, I'm a content SEO. So there's a lot that 
I'm not as good at for making sure our site is healthy. So we definitely rely on outside consultants for that, as well as uh, sometimes freelance writers to really help us scale when we were had limited resources and to really, you know, leverage that expertise of like really understanding this is our goal and this is like what we need to do with content to get there. That sort of filled the gap while we grew the team. And now it's, it's that knowledge is in house. And like, I'm, we're seeing like the really the benefits of that and like incremental growth that's going to start really paying off in like exponential ways. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So rewinding back to when you first started in your first 90 days, what, what were the, some of the actions that you took? It sounds like that was one of them, like really identifying that you needed an in-house team and you've been able to reap the benefits of that. But what were some of the actions that you took early on that you feel like moved the needle the most? Yeah, I, I think doing an audit, I mean, was my move the needle in terms of like buy-in on like what we need yeah. to actually do. I think yeah. people were really surprised to see some of the pieces that were driving traffic and maybe why we weren't getting value from them, either because they were old or not really the right pieces to be to be driving. Showing them what success looks like, starting with a piece that had keyword goals to begin with and not just adding it on and then seeing that rank uh, really did a lot of, you know, changed a lot of minds on how we have to approach and plan for SEO. It can't just be an afterthought. It really has to be at the origin of, of what we're doing. So that made a big difference as well. And I think also I mentioned this, but like really showing, demonstrating, not all traffic is good traffic. So we had some, some wins that continue to drive traffic, but we're really irrelevant. We're really doing much for us. And it, I had to convince them to a certain extent that they weren't, it was okay if we lost that traffic, you know, we should really focus on the pages that are more important. So those were some of the, I think a lot of buy-in people really understood that SEO was important, but maybe we needed to like do some education on the right way to do it. And this is a thing that, you know, pretty much every podcast we've done, people talk about the importance of stakeholder management, of getting that buy-in, of mm-hmm. the soft skills. Like I've, I've got a presentation I do, which is literally on the great separator. So a big separator from a, between a good and a great SEO is soft skills. Like it's the mm-hmm. ability to actually get people, to get people to buy in, to get different departments, to, to you know, either shift resources or at least, you know, shout, shout your successes as well. Did you have anyone, you know, in your career leading up to where you're at now and where you first started there who was a good sort of role model or someone that helped you guide you to realize that, okay, like I could be on the tools all the time or I could be, you know, championing what we're doing and, and mm-hmm. getting buy-in from other departments? I think early on in learning how to present, being in content in general, I think yeah. you're always needing to like really make a case for what you do. I think people yeah. understand what great content means and what it can do for your brand, but it's always when it doesn't have a direct ROI, it's really something that's a little more intangible. You have to be a champion for it and really have to like constantly be standing up for it and making a case for it. So I think throughout my career, that's been a big part of, of, of growing content marketing wherever I am is really demonstrating the impact that it has. So being given the stage at Yapo, I think, to be able to, sorry, at, at Deal News, to make that case for it and get buy-in there has like been really instrumental in how I approach content ever since throughout my career. That's such an interesting point too, coming from a copy and a content background, having to constantly having to, you know, sort of prove the value of, of, of that part versus I guess a technical SEO who like some of the best technical SEOs I've ever known 
and people that I consider friends mm-hmm. don't really want to talk to me during the day. They just mm-hmm. want to put their headphones on, right. get like knee deep in code, and, and they're not, you know, much more introverted. Mm-hmm. So interesting that, yeah, potentially from a content, I mean, you're communicators. That's, you know. Yeah, we like to tell stories and you want to paint yeah. a vision. And, you know, it, yeah. it, if you can do that in a way that gets people really excited, it's mm-hmm. so much easier because SEO is a lot of work up front. Um, I mean, it's work throughout, but like, sometimes you really need to keep people engaged with it um, until you start seeing those results. So if you can do that in a way that like gets people to really believe in it and, and wait for those results, it's easier. Yeah, for sure. So that takes me to like an, a question just around, you mentioned before around, you know, keyword specific, was it like forecasting or, you know, growth targets and that sort of stuff. What does that look like for you at Yopo in terms of forecasting? Are you talking to, you know, where the site could be in, Six months, 12 months, two mm-hmm. years? Like, how does that look? Yeah, I mean, we try to focus on, I've always tried to avoid like goals that are tied to traffic just because, mm. like, you know, traffic isn't the whole story. And it's also, it can sometimes be harder to control, you know, when yep. it's, it's, uh, you can have a viral hit and people will be very excited, but it's not doing much for you. So we've, we've tried to focus on, the very specific like core keywords that we think are the most important to to us like throughout the funnel and really mm-hmm. focus on like our growth of those keywords so like where like where what our rankings are what our average rankings are and where we want to be as well as working on conversion from that traffic and like what what is our conversion rate and like what are we what are we actually asking people to do? Is that the right thing to do? So we're more so focused on like that ranking growth of our most important keywords and keeping that list really tight so that we don't lose sight with like maybe shiny things that are really great and maybe we should also be paying attention to, but like keep us, take us away from like really being focused on our like most bottom of funnel important keywords. Totally, totally. Yeah, we call them rocks in Impressive. Yeah. What are our rocks? How, do your rocks align with these rocks? Do they align mm. with those rocks? Like you need to have okay. them set up top. So so what are some of the barriers that you've had in your time at Yotpo to being able to get buy-in or to, to get ranking growth or, you know, has, has it been anything internal, any other teams? Yeah. I think I think our biggest, you know, challenge is that we're doing a lot, you know, and, and yeah. it can always just be a, a matter of resources and, you know, everyone's bought in on like what we what they want to do and their their commitment to SEO and content SEO. It's it's more so just making sure that we can get, you know, our piece of the pie when it comes to everyone's time and, and in their plans to really make like what we're producing for SEO a part of demand generation growth and, you know, mm-hmm. their plans as well so that we're not adding SEO on top of an already very busy, you know, schedule of content, mm-hmm. but really making it integrated throughout. So it's always uh, just a challenge to make sure that SEO is is factored in when there are so many things that we're all trying to accomplish. I would say that's that's the biggest challenge, but you know every team feels that too. <laughs> and so you're two two years into your journey there at Yopo, and you've gone from a team of two to you know having contractors and the like help you fill out that content team to the point now where it's quite a large team. Mm-hmm. And then you've gone from you know that kind of really review heavy um, SEO and being really mm-hmm. strong in that, and not so not so strong across the other areas you want to be. Mm-hmm. How does it how does it look now? Two years in a in a review, are you happy with where you've gotten to? Are you? Yeah, I, I definitely feel uh, we're starting to really see not just starting. We have been for a while, but seeing growth with SMS marketing, which was exciting because it was our newest product and so newest like brand new topic for us to really be breaking into. 
Um, and we see not only like traffic to a lot of different like long tail keywords and non-branded keywords around, you know, topics around SMS marketing, but like our, our main core product pages are also driving organic traffic, which is a really great win, obviously for the bottom line as well. So, and that always gets people more excited too, to really take you seriously when you want to put SEO forward ahead of certain things or to like make sure it's top of mind from the very beginning of production. So we're in a really great place right now. Yeah, that's cool. I've been here in the States for seven months. And when in Australia, we like SMS marketing is a thing, but it was not as mm-hmm. big. And then I get here and it's literally like everything wants your phone number. Everything's yeah. like, it was just a much bigger, much bigger part to the marketing customer experience journey. Here yeah. Than I mean, we, we yeah. actually expanded to Australia and it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of focused on like educating brands on why they need it. Yeah. Um, and like the, yeah. You see that in search for like, what, what are the things people are searching for too? Is like, yeah. it's more about like why SMS marketing and not necessarily like why Yapo. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. From an international SEO perspective and the content perspective, like the different markets maturing at a different rates and yeah. you know, some markets it might not even take, but you know, obviously. Yeah. And then there's a lot of different like terminology topics that are the yeah. matter, like uh, legal requirements for, for SMS marketing differ from place to place. So the, the region matters. So do you think that's probably one of the big keys for your, your future roadmap of, of growth for Yotpo, the SMS marketing piece and the success you've had that on that and building on that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of like early wins that we've had, but like there's a lot more that we can do. Um, also around loyalty and referrals as well. Like that's, that's yep. our other big area that we want to build out that we're starting to see some growth into. And, you know, when you start to like, crack, you know, uh, a few of those keywords and start to like, really, it becomes so much easier to expand upon that and build upon it and, and see, see results a little bit more fast or more quickly yeah. when you create them in the future. Totally. Yeah. I always talk to people about SEO. It's just like this massive big boulder mm-hmm. that you're, you're trying to give just that. It takes so much effort yeah. to get it going, yeah. but once it's rolling, the momentum of itself really helps sort of propel itself forward a bit more. Yeah, Definitely. And last question before I get into the Vox Pop, I'm just curious, like, are there any, you know, non-obvious software tools or that you use in your day-to-day that people might go, oh, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that, like for a content marketer or for an SEO? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is probably unusual, but we use Gong a lot, which is the uh, oh, software to yeah. listen to customer calls. And the reason why I really love it is, you know, SEO is kind of what you put into it. Sometimes you discover things through like what you're accidentally ranking for, but We've learned like people don't use necessarily the terminology that we think and and we're maybe missing opportunities or there are topics that they associate with what we do that maybe is a little bit of a blind spot to us. So I love listening to customer calls when I can to like pick out some of those insights, the the topics that are um, really standing out to see if there's an opportunity that maybe we're missing out on. Um, And sometimes you learn they do not refer to things the way you think they do or, and, and that can really open up a whole new like opportunity for exploration into like the keyword opportunities. That is awesome. That in and of itself is the sign of a marketing team that's working really well within <laughs> the rest of the business, because the number of people in, in CS or in sales who are like, People in marketing have got no idea what our customers actually say or how they feel. Yeah. But if you've got if you've got the you know, gong there, I've spoken to some SEOs. Gaetano Donati, I don't know where is that Aura now, I think. But he used to listen to sales calls as well. He jump on sales calls mm-hmm. and just to to get a feel for the language, for you know consumer sentiment, that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and you can learn a lot too about how to better fulfill maybe the keywords you're already targeting. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things we are always trying to challenge ourselves with is like when you're targeting a keyword and you see all results are like the same headline, the same like listicle of tips or whatever it may be. We're really trying to think of like how we can make ours better and more relevant or more rich in what it offers. And yeah those customer calls are usually like a gold mine of, of information that helps you get there. That's awesome, Lindsay. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So just going to close off with our Vox Pop. So we ask these questions of every SEO and content marketer that comes on. I'm just going to go quick fire. First thing sure. that comes to your mind, answer it. If you want to give it a bit of context, go for it, but then we're going to move on to the next. Okay, cool. Ready, set? Mm-hmm. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? Panda. Uh, duplicate content was a real problem where I was at at the time, yeah. and it gives me a heart attack still. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyway. Gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links? Content, but that's, that's pretty obvious, yeah. What's the most effective link building technique you've used? I think partnering with PR, with media outreach. Yeah. Um, it's so much more authentic, and I've, I've been on the receiving end of like, people trying to get links back to their site and it never really feels very genuine. PR is just like authentic. If you create great, great content and it's pitched well, the links mm-hmm. will come. Do you think the skyscraper technique is still relevant today? I do. Um, I think if like really focused on what the searcher is looking for, like and, and making sure that you're honest about uh, whether the keyword goals are actually aligned to like what you're able to provide. What do you love most about SEO? I really love learning what people are searching for. You yeah. know, sometimes you stumble on the funniest things and then you think about yeah. like the way you search for information, but like, it's just such a great way to get tap into the minds of, of people that you're trying to speak to. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I guess just always thinking about what do people really want? <laughs> Similar thing, yeah. like always providing the best information. It's a little bit more of my work life, but like it's such a good reminder that if you try to sell yourself too much, it's not going to be successful. And SEO is, you know, proves that. Uh, work from home life or office life or hybrid life? What's your preference? Hybrid life. Maybe hybrid. with more so work from home. <laughs> SEMrush or Ahrefs? Uh, I like SEMrush. I've been using them for a long time and I'm a fan. Last one. Uh, agency or in-house or combo? What do you think works best for brands? I think a combo, it can be really great, especially depending on where your strengths lie and like what your goals are. Um, I personally love being in-house doing SEO um, because I, you can really um, understand what the brand is and the language they, they use and like what their audience is to just like really refine your strategy. Lindsay, thanks so much. What a great conversation. Uh, really you. appreciate your time. Thank you. It was so great. Thank you. No worries. So that was Lindsay Secreta from Yotpo, Director of Content Marketing there. Thanks so much. We had a really good conversation about content marketing, where that overlaps with SEO. Really enjoyed getting into sort of the, you know, the content and copywriting past and, and how that's helped inform your success moving forward. If anyone has enjoyed this particular episode or any of our episodes, please jump on, write us a review, five stars on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google, wherever. Please write good stuff. Uh, if you know an SEO, like a really clever SEO like Lindsay from a big brand, we're always looking for, for clever people to pick their brain. So please let us know. We've got some really cool guests coming up too. We're really excited. But this has been a great, great conversation with Lindsay from Yotpo. Thank you again, Lindsay. Thank you.